Good morning. Please. This is God's world called to worship this morning. And, and people's world to us is given a vision of nations and races, land and people joined together in love. We come to celebrate and renew that vision, opening ourselves to the one who is its source and its living free. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. Hope that you made it into the sanctuary or to the church building without too much problem. Um, I think we had given out some little signs that would help people get through, and I guess the fact that some folks are not here, they must be in the marathon, you think? No, I don't think so. I don't think we had any marathoners today, but Cindy was in it? Oh, one choir member, so her chair is right here beside Monique. And so that, uh, that do make it, I think she runs it almost every year. So um, please apologize to her for my missing that. She, someone may have seen it on the webcast. We don't want people to think she's not running. Well, it's good to be here, to be in this house of worship, to worship the one true and living God, to share together in fellowship and to see one another, but also to lift our, our voices, to have our spirits warmed, to um, in reverence come before God and to offer ourselves, our total being, to the one who has created us, who has redeemed us, who sustains life day by day. 
we're glad that you're here to join us in that. And some of you are guests today, and we want to uh, certainly acknowledge that. We also want to welcome all who are here that are guests and members alike. So we would like for you to sign the registration tablet at the end of each pew, if you would. And then also, in just a moment, we will uh, pass the peace of Christ. But for those who are our guests, we especially welcome you today. We're glad that you chose to be here and worship with us on this day. Would you please take to welcome those close to you. And while our congregation is greeting one another, we would like to greet those who might be viewing us by our live uh, YouTube stream or uh, by way of recording after the fact. We're welcoming each time and uh, would love to have you with us each Sunday at this time or uh, any time that you can watch back on the uh, recorded version of this. Uh, today's uh, service is about discipleship and we are uh, singing uh, and reading scriptures that are related to that, that point. So while you continue to welcome one another and uh, perhaps at, by uh, recorded version after the fact, I like to check it sometimes just to see how we, you know, how, how it went, right, <laughs> for the choir members. Um, if I may take just a moment of personal uh, uh, privilege, uh, if you will notice in your worship order today, uh, we don't always have, we have uh, uh, little crosses where you're to stand, but we don't use asterisks except occasionally and today we've placed asterisks after the first hymn and the last hymn and also the uh, anthem just before the homily. The reason for that as you'll notice is that the harmonizations as is noted at the bottom uh, of the page on the right, uh, the harmonizations today are in memory of uh, Dr. Noel Rosthorne uh, who was a as is noted here renowned British organist uh, composer and um, educator passed away at the age of 89 just about a week ago, a little over a week ago now. Uh, Dr. Rosthorne did of these hymns, uh, last verse harmonizations, 400 of these hymns uh, reharmonized, and we have been using these some of these reharmonizations since I went to England my very first time in 1991, and then came to serve this church uh, in my my first life as director of music here uh, in 1992. And I gave a volume to Dr. Tibbs, and we have a volume that Sarah uses. Uh, and so these harmonizations, you've been singing hymns to Dr. Rawthorne's harmonizations for many, many years. Uh, and uh, in his passing, I just wanted to uh, have a little homage to him. And you'll notice that the anthem is uh, an arrangement of a, a, a beautiful him tune rocking them, but the chosen his harmonization for the last uh, stanza of that arrangement. Then finally, um, if you'll note as well, we're uh, we are doing an anthem during the offertory time, um, and we'll ask you to take a look at hymnal 473 for the text. We usually print the texts in the bulletin, but this time because it's in our hymnal, and also we're going to invite you to sing on the very last stanza. So when I turn uh, to you, if you wouldn't mind uh, just noting either the words in your bulletin at that time or the tune in the hymnal, and uh, you need not stand, but uh, we will uh, uh, would hope that you would uh, join in with us uh, with the choir on that one. Maybe go to the Lord in prayer before we sing our next hymn. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts of music and of, of word, of prayer, the idea of coming to you to ask for all things, for justice, for, for peace, for, for love of our fellows. And may we distribute that throughout this week as we go forward after we have been together for this hour. We pray these things in the name of that one who gave all, the name of Christ. And we stand as we sing a, um, a hymn of Apostle 688. Would you please stand? Mm -hmm. 
Our first reading of scripture today is found in the Psalter at Psalm 8. We'll be reading all nine verses. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Here ends our first reading for today. Gospel reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter of the Gospel, verses 31 through 40. If you're able, will you stand for the reading of the Gospel? When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was you and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you as a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. This is the word of the Lord. be seated. Good morning. How are you all today? You having a good day so far? It's a little bit cool out, isn't it? Well, I want to talk to you something about uh, for a little bit today. Just a minute, Jack. Sit right here. You've got to help me with this. Uh, you're our DR, right? Our designated reader, aren't you, up here oftentimes? So I want to talk to you for just a moment about something that um, you probably saw this morning as you came in. Did you have any um, trouble getting to your, you or your, when you came with your family or anything, have trouble getting to the church building today? Did you see anybody running on the road? Did you, Melissa? With a lot of people. You saw two people. Well, I asked, I asked Mr. Joe if he had already gotten his award for the... Uh, the marathon, he said that he got his early, Mr. Joe Fuller over there. He was uh, anxious for me to know that he had finished it really early and had gotten here and filling his place. So uh, 
we all we all saw some of those running today as they were uh, probably and you may have had trouble getting there but I I wanted to show you this this is what we put on or at least gave people to put on their cars that might help you get through and it's about our, our race that took place right that's what they were doing the Mercedes Marathon and as someone said above it it said it looks a little bit like the Mercedes Marathon runners need to get to Southside Baptist Church so that would be okay too but we hope that all that, that would come would come but today that race is something that I wanted to let you think about for a moment because when Dr. Roxborough preaches but also about discipleship about doing what we can for each other and how we should do it but also right here I want you to look at one thing real quick Can you read the first verse right here, verse 12? Right there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Perseverance. The race Okay. Now, what is that talking about? The race marked out just for us is that we're talking about the race that is ours to run to, as we believe that there's a race marked out for us to live, to run, to go through life, that God is with us and showing us those things we need to do. And today, as Dr. Roxborough preaches here, we just do it. If you looked on the road, there were particular places that were marked out for the racers. They were to go certain places and therefore they wouldn't know exactly what route to take and they came by the church building twice a lot of times when we're here we'll hear someone outside with a, a bullhorn and they'll be cheering everyone on and that's what this says that there's a great cloud of witnesses watching on as we run our own race but also there's just like that road race there are people cheering us on saying that you're doing great you're listening to what God says and you're following that so when we think about our own individual lives that we live, living the life we're supposed to live is not just doing it here, but it's doing it everywhere. At school and at home, whatever we might do, that when we do things that are right before God, that's a part of running our race. So we want to remember that, and I want to offer a prayer with you, and then we're going to ask two special guests that are here today to come and share just a word. Um, Paul and Grace Moses are here, and they've come all the way from India place there in Chennai where they teach and they have children that live with them and they um, help them learn and get a good education but they also above all provide a loving home for them so we want to uh, today we want to ask that we might also here where we are do the right things that are good before God and help all of his creation Lord help us as we uh, continue to remember the ways that we can minister in your name extend just a word of kindness a bite to eat to encourage someone to be there with them to visit them to pray for them may we do that all in your name for we know that there are many watching on hoping and praying that we will be able to fulfill that calling you've placed upon us in Christ's name Paul and Grace Moses are, are no strangers to us here. We have had a long relationship with them and their work there in India. And Paul is going to come and share a little bit about what's going on there. And um, just to let you know, some of you have been there, visited it, actually ministered with them. So every time they come back to the States, at least with there in Birmingham, we try to get them to come and share a little bit about uh, their work there. So Paul, come. Thank you so much, Tim real joy to be here with you all come back 
seems like home. We came 15 minutes before the service, and we met a lot of people. Thank you for this opportunity. So, and it was such a joy to say hello to all of you. Thank, thank you for this opportunity. So true, the race that we are talking about. And just this morning as I was praying, it was exactly the same thing. 30 years in mission, both of us, in India. And the one thought that came to us was, Lord, help us to persevere in this race. Because sometimes it's tough, physically, emotionally, spiritually tough. And this morning as I stood in front of the television and as I was praying and asking God, God, please help us to be faithful, persevering till the very end that you'll keep us. Uh, so it's been a long journey for us. Grace turned 60 a week ago. You should not say that. Okay. Oh, God. In our culture, it's celebration. So sorry. Oh, some people don't say that. But, <laughs> but we are so excited that God has led us so far, persevering in this. Um, the second thing that we, uh, we often, I often reflect is in this race, the first race is our personal spiritual race. And we're saying, Lord, help us to persevere that we will live the Christian life with full faith till our very lives, the end of our lives. That's the first faith, first race. The second race, it seems like we are losing this race. And this morning we said in the race to reach people with the love of Jesus Christ, it seems like all over the world we are losing this race, but that's not true. We are winning. And the exciting part is for us to know, for both of us, in our missions in the Sangeeta Children's Home, we have 75 young children between the ages of six to 18 and they all go to school, private English school. Uh, the oldest of them, some of them have finished their graduation, finished college, some of them are in their 12th grade. And it's been a joy to see the last 20 years with these kids, 18 years, some of them been with us. It's been a joy, uh, 75 of these children and many of them will joy. That race, we think we are winning. And the other race that we always would reflect is the race that we serve widows Mm, many years ago, we start this, started this ministry to widows uh, in the villages that we have in India where we have this project. Uh, it's a strange phenomenon. Many women become widows pretty early for a variety of reasons. And we started serving them with 150 we started. Today, we have 650 widows from 15 villages who come once in a month to our facility and we serve them with food provisions and Jesus Christ. Many years ago, all of them from Hindu backgrounds, 95% of them, they would come and stare at us when you talk about Jesus Christ. But 10 years down the line, the race seems interesting that many of them, most of them love Jesus, most of them go to church, and most of them want to follow Jesus Christ. That race, we seem like we're winning. So that's exciting. And then we build some roofs for, for widows. They don't have how to provide small roofs for see what the kind of conditions that they live in, and we have the opportunity to, to see that all roofs for them. It's a 10 by 10 roofs for them, and it's been a joy to see that race is also a race that we seem to be winning. Um, so God's doing mighty things in the sport ministry that I'm involved in. Uh, many of them, 90% of our audience is always non-Christian, and that's a joy. The greatest joy to see many Hindu girls and boys come to know Jesus Christ as their savior in our land. And that race, we are excited about winning that race. So God's been good in Sangeeta with the children, the widows. We have a group of young women, 50 women with whom we work. We, got a, we call it the self-help group. We teach them skills to tailor, to make soap, to make detergents, to, to make shawls, and they can sell it and they can live by themselves. So we're excited about that race that we are winning. Last two, one lesson is that we must run, we must run, and Satan is running. That's what we've learned this life. We must run fast, and we must run faster than Satan. India, we would say that, hey, God would tell us, Paul and Grace, run really fast, and faster than Satan would run. So that's the race we're excited, and we want to run really fast in this world. But we also want to run the right way. We don't want to run so fast that we get disqualified. And that's our last phase of our life. We are staying, asking the Lord, 
Lord, we want to run as quick as we can, save as many people as possible in India, give them the good news of the gospel, children, widows. We want to do that. But in the process, we do not want to get disqualified. Keep us safe. That race, we want to win. It's been a joy being here. Thank you so much for having us. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Gracious God, we thank you for the work, work that we've been reminded about this morning that goes on in the great land of India. We pray for our friends as they seek to minister your grace in a variety of different ways to people in need, to children, to widows, to young women. Lord, bless all that they do and may your blessing be upon their words and their actions. We pray for our world, we pray for ourselves. We pray especially for those whom we know who need our prayers at this time, those who are sick, those who are receiving and anticipating treatment for illness. We pray that you may relieve their suffering and enable us to be good friends to those in need. We pray for those whom we know and love who have died and well, been welcomed joyfully into your eternal kingdom. And yet our hearts can be heavy, even after many years. Lord, comfort all who mourn. Father, in Jesus, you have made us whole. Listen to all our And we use the words that he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
At the end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. Discipleship is at the heart of what Jesus is teaching in Matthew's Gospel. And Matthew 25 is the final of five sections of the Gospel where Jesus is giving teaching about what it means to be a follower and what it means to be a disciple, to do everything that Jesus taught. At the end of each of the five sections of Matthew's Gospel where we have these teaching blocks, Jesus speaks about the final day of accountability, where we give an account of how we've lived our lives as disciples. And so it's no surprise that Matthew 25 finishes with parables about the end of the age. We all want to know what the end of the age is going to be like. We have a curiosity about it. But here, Jesus speaks about the end of the age as being the day between those who are sheep and those who are goats, those who are on his right hand and those who are on his left hand. One of the fascinating things about this section of scripture is that it doesn't seem to be related to your theology, to your political affiliation, or to your profession of faith. Both the sheep and the goats speak of Jesus as Lord. Christ is not concentrating on those things as he does the sorting and the judging. Indeed, you might feel it strange for us Baptists that he doesn't even use the word sin or salvation in this whole picture. But he does speak about accountability but how we are manifesting a relationship if we call him Lord. What is at the heart of what it means to be a disciple? And Jesus basically says that it comes down to how we treat other people in terms of food, drink, hospitality, clothing to other sheep and the goats. Some of them were doing what he asked them to do, feed the poor, hungry, visit those who were in prison. And both the sheep and the goats say to Jesus, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry? They're a little bit perplexed. Jesus is saying, whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. In the economy of the ancient world, where gifts and debt were one of the primary ways in which you got on in life, it was considered foolish to give anything to those who were at the bottom of society. They couldn't be expected to repay you. The sheep have been busy, however, ignoring that social norm. The goats, on the other hand, have been doing the sa that same thing. They are trapped in the system. They only give to those who will give back to them so that their life will be enriched. So Jesus speaks about the day of accountability that inform how we live. For Matthew, the coming judgment was the horizon which should inform how we live our lives. Now, in the past few minutes, I've probably used the term judgment more often than I've done in four and a half years in this pulpit. <laughs> but you can't ignore what Jesus says. These are the words of our Lord. The parable of judgment is far more focused on the life of mercy, of caring for people who are in need. Of course, it's not the only criterion in the whole of the New Testament, but it's a criterion that we often ignore at our peril. What we say that we believe sometimes becomes the most important aspect of our faith as Christians. But Jesus says that it's also, in fact, it's mainly about loving mercy and showing kindness to others. That shouldn't surprise us because in the Hebrew Bible, the verse that we've been focusing on quite a lot in recent months of Micah. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. What that kindness will look like. It will be to visit prisoners in their distress. Now, the primary purpose of a prison in the first century was not to incarcerate individuals for a long period of time as a time of punishment. It was, a, it was to provide a place for them before they came to trial. And it was the responsibility of their family to bring food into them to eat. If the family didn't bring in food, there was nothing they were going to have. And so believers are encouraged to provide this service, not only for one another, but for those who are in need. 
This is the way you demonstrate Christ's love by ministering to those who have no way of caring for themselves. Now we need to update that in certain ways in the 21st century, but not forgetting those who are in prison. And then it becomes very down-to-earth and practical. To love kindness is to act kindly. You give food to the hungry. It means to welcome the stranger, to clothe the naked, to visit the sick. And this is how we act in kindness towards Jesus. They said, when do we see you sick or hungry or in prison? Whatever you do to the least of these, and he doesn't specify who these are, just anybody. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do it to me. To use the analogy of Fred Craddock, did you see the face of another child who was shot here in Birmingham and say, well, that's not my kid? Did you look at a recent widower in the pew and say, well, that's not my dad? Or did you pass by an addict sitting against a lamppost in front of Waffle House and say, that's not my mum? We don't do it just to those whom we know who are close to us. Jesus says, you do it to whoever is in need. And those who have experienced God's kingdom cannot go back to life as it was. And those who do not know Jesus, Stanley Harawas writes, the difference between followers of Jesus and those who do not know Jesus is that those who have seen Jesus no longer have any excuse to avoid the least of these. Leo Tolstoy tells the story of Martin the cobbler, the shoemaker. In a certain town, there lived this man called Martin. He lived in a tiny basement room. Its only window was able to look onto the street, and of all the passers-by that he saw, he only saw their shoes and their boots. But as he had been the one who had made or mended the shoes of people who lived in the town, he could recognize them by their shoes or their boots. But life had been hard on Martin. His wife had died, leaving him a young son. When the son had reached a particular age when he might have been able to help his father, the, the son grew ill and died. And Martin gave way to despair. He gave up the as to how he was feeling. At the end, his, his friend advised him to do a little reading from the Gospels. Each day, promising that if he did, light and hope would come back into his life, as well as a sense of purpose in living. So Martin took up his friend's advice. At the end of each day, he would read a part of the Gospels. He intended only to do it every Sunday, but he was so fascinated by the Gospel story and the teaching of Jesus, at the end of each working day, he read part of the Gospel. Slowly, his life began to change. He began to seek to live his life according to the teaching of Jesus, and it gave him a sense of hope in the midst of darkness and a sense of meaning and purpose. One night, as he sat read reading, he thought he heard somebody say something to him. He was a bit taken aback. He listened and he heard clearly. He felt, Martin, Martin, look out into the street tomorrow. I will come to visit you. He looked around the tiny room, but there was nobody there. Jesus would visit him. So the next day, he was excited. He did his work, but he kept looking out onto the street from the basement room, looking at the shoes and the boots. It didn't seem that anybody unusual was passing by his window. And then in the early afternoon, he saw a pair of boots he hadn't seen for a long time. They belonged to an old soldier called Stephen. Going to the window, he looked up and he saw the elderly gentleman out in the cold, hitting his hands together, trying to keep warm. And he saw him, and he went back to work, hoping that he might move out of the way so that he could see when Jesus passed by. But old Stephen just stood there by the railing. Finally, Martin thought, well, perhaps he hasn't had anything to eat all day. So he beckoned to him, and he came in, and he gave him something to eat and something to drink. Stephen was grateful coat as a shield against the biting. And when he left, Martin gave him a second overcoat as a shield against the biting cold. But Martin still kept looking. At the end of the day, he was disappointed that Jesus had not come. After supper, 
he read the gospel. He read Matthew 25. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was naked and you clothed me. And he concluded that Jesus had visited him in the form of Stephen and he had made him welcome. Whatever you do to the least of these, Jesus says, you do it to me. That, says Jesus, is the mark of a disciple. It's a mark of somebody who has discovered what it means to be a follower. And if we want to be a future church, then that's the kind of disciple we have a future here in Birmingham. Will you pray with me? We thank you, Father, for the words of your Son, our Savior. We know them well. Help us by your grace to live them well. For the honor of your name and the extension of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our concluding hymn is number 476, You Walk Along Our Shoreline. join me in prayer O Lord our Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth we thank you for your creation from the heavens sun moon and stars to the beauty of this earth and all the life that you have created on it <coughs> we thank you for our very lives and our many blessings <coughs> we thank you for people like Paul and Grace Moses and all the many disciples like them all over the world who are ministering to the orphan, the widow, the poor, the prisoner, and the sick. We ask that you continue to bless them and all their good works. We thank you for Jesus, the love, grace, and hope he offers all of us. We ask that you forgive us of our sins, that you will give us the wisdom, love, and discipline to do the things that are pleasing to you and to refrain from those that are not. We ask that you accept our offerings, Lord, as we return a portion of the many blessings you have bestowed on us. 
In Jesus' name we pray.
loving Lord for all your gifts. Numerable, we can never count them. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would receive these in the gifts that we return. May you bless them, multiply them, and may they be used to ease all those needs of those who are the least of these, as well as those that we minister to beyond this community. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Would you be seated for just a moment, please? Dr. Banks, are you going to, um, I think we have you to make an announcement real quick at the beginning. And while he's doing that, let me welcome all of those who are guests and uh, those who are here who haven't been here in a while. So we're glad that everyone is here today. Yes, I just wanted to acknowledge two of our singers, uh, Marks and Scholars, who will not be with us next Sunday because sadly they must be, uh, they have a thing at Carnegie Hall. Gosh, it's, it's a <laughs> tough job. Somebody's got to do it. Um, but uh, Faith um, Leonard and uh, Aubra Bullard Musher uh, leave on Good. And they will be uh, returning to us after that uh, with a wonderful experience. Okay. Well. So Wish you well and hope that your, uh, your trip is well. We give you a Godspeed and as, as it is to let you know we'll be praying for you. And uh, it's a wonderful trip. In addition to that, there are a couple of things you need to know about. Cheryl, Jazz Vespers tonight, 6 o'clock, Grinnell Hall. Uh, it will be. It always is with Cheryl Frey. And Tina Wilson, William Wilson, will be, Tina Wilson will be seeing tonight. So very, as I said Wednesday night, she is a huge, just this terribly huge voice and this little bitty person. But you'll, uh, you'll want to come and, and hear her and bring some friends with that. And then um, also we want to, uh, again, thank Paul and Grace for being here and for all the work they do there. It's other than by the grace of God that y'all have been this placed upon your heart to provide a place for them. So we, we are uh, truly grateful to be a partner in ministry with you there too. Not this week, next week. Go ahead and put it on your calendar. Next Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock, that's the 17th of this month, is the 50th anniversary of the Sanford organ that was installed in 1968, dedicated uh, later. But it will be next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock with Hugh Lewis, who is a world-renowned organist. He will be here, and there will be information uh, coming in the columns or in the updates to you this week. But there are posters and other things around. We have tried to highlight that. Anything that you would like to say, Sarah? All? Just be here and bring someone with you. And uh, there will be some pieces done that will uh, also remind you of someone who played this organ for so, so long, that being uh, Dr. Tibbs. And Sarah has then since done that. What, Tim? Okay. And of course, Sarah will be here. Uh, but so remember that we are called to be God's people. And we are also his hands and feet and voice and eyes and ears in the world around us. So may we go in his name. And as we go, we recognize that we don't leave a service behind, we go into a service, and we go knowing that the grace, the love, and the mercy, and the peace of God will be with us always. Amen.